Am I on? Good morning, everybody. I'm in the middle over here. You might have your back to me, but I'll, I'll rove around a little bit. Uh, good morning and welcome to worship. We're glad that you guys are here. Uh, should I explain about the tables? This is a little bit different than what we're used to, but uh, we are in a series called Words of Life, uh, the Commands of Jesus. And the command that we're going to hear Jesus say this morning is, do this in remembrance of me. And we attach this to our communion. Jesus said that do this in the context of a meal. He told his disciples, hey, there's something important that I want you to remember. And he could have said, I want you to remember it as a story. I'm going to tell it to you as a parable. But he didn't do that. He could have said, I'm going to give it to you as a command, like a teaching something from the Sermon on the Mount, but that's not what he did. He could have given it to them as part of a list. Do this and this and this and, and remember me. That's important. But what he gave them instead was an experience. He said, I want you to remember something important, and I want you to do it in the context of a meal. You're going to be at tables when you remember this. And uh, not just any table, but the table for the Passover meal that the Jews would celebrate to commemorate their rescue by God out of Egypt. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But in order to better experience the thing that Jesus wanted his disciples to do, the things that he, the experience of sitting around a table, of breaking the bread, of taking the cup together, uh, we're going to do that this morning. That's why you're sitting around a table. That's why you have baskets of bread in front of you. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but essentially this morning will be like one big extended communion service. Here we are at the table. Jesus invites us. He is our host. And it may feel a little bit different because we're used to sitting in rows. And you may be going, well, are there going to be songs? Yeah, we're still going to sing. Uh, are there going to be prayers? Yeah, we're still going to pray for one another. Is there going to be a big long sermon? No, there is not. Uh, you guys are going to do more talking uh, than I do, hopefully, this week. And we will dismiss our kids a little bit later to go over to kids' worship. So I appreciate you coming along for the experience and being willing to be flexible with our typical format. Churches kind of tend to get into the habit of doing things a certain way. And if you've been around Tri-Valley long enough, you kind of gotten used to our format. We go song, song, scripture, prayer, song, song, communion, dismiss the kids, big long sermon from Jacob, prayers for one another. That's what we've been doing. And it's good that we do that. I think we do a lot of the things that we do and the ways that we do them for a reason. But maybe the downside is that as we look back on how Jesus called his disciples to remember him in the context of a meal at tables, we see this in the early church. They, they broke bread in their homes and from house to house, they, they did this in the context of a meal. At some point, it kind of got away from the meal and it started happening more in church assemblies and gatherings and cathedrals, communion services. And it became less of a, a meal experience around tables where you're looking people in the eye and just kind of more of a something that you participate in from your seat. It became less of a communal experience and became more of an individual experience. And again, there's reasons that that changed. There's reasons why churches do what they do in a certain way. The concern that I have sometimes is that communion, which is supposed to be communal, which is supposed to be the centerpiece the focal point of our, our worship kind of tends to become more of the pivot point 
of our worship. It's sort of like the dividing line between first part, where we do a lot of singing and praying, and then the second part, where we do a lot of sitting and, and listening. And uh, again, there's certain reasons we do things a certain way, and they're not necessarily good or bad, but here we are this morning. We're hearing the command of Jesus to do this in remembrance of me. And so that's why we're here. That's why you're sitting the way you are, and that's what we're going to do. I'm excited about this. Let me have everyone's attention. I'm going to read this passage from, from Jesus right now. This is Luke chapter 22, right at the end of Jesus' life, right before he was going to go to the cross. Luke tells us this. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. Say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where's the guest room? Where, may I eat, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for this meal. Thank you for this command to remember you. Thank you for the people at our table. Thank you that we can look back and remember the sacrifice that you made for us. Lord, as we eat this bread now, as we drink this cup, we do remember you. We celebrate you. We remember your heart. We remember your wisdom. We remember your compassion. We remember your trust in your Father, we remember your sacrifice. We remember the cross. But Lord, we remember the empty tomb as well. The resurrected Lord. And we thank you that we have hope of our own resurrection at the time of the resurrection. We remember you in many ways this morning, Lord. We pray a blessing on this meal and on this gathering and on this fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. So now... I want you guys to continue. You already know each other's names. I want you to continue fellowshipping together. I want you to break the bread. I want you to pour the cup. Make sure everybody has some and take it together. And while you're doing that, the question that I want you guys to respond to is this. Uh, how would you finish this sentence? I love Jesus because blank. We're going to remember Jesus' impact on our life. You might love Jesus because of something you've read in the scriptures that amazed you. You might love Jesus for the impact that he has had on your life personally. 
Uh, but whatever it is, give everybody the opportunity to go around and to share one reason why you love Jesus. And then I'll come and I'll, I'll gather us back together in just a moment. But go ahead and do that now as you break the bread and take the juice. Am I on again? Okay. Good deal, guys. I love that you guys are sharing reasons you love Jesus. And I love that you're overhearing people talk about why they love Jesus. I think this is a healthy practice. This is a good way to do this in remembrance of me. There's some folks online who are participating on this as well. And they're saying things like, I love Jesus because he first loved me. I love Jesus because he took my place. Overheard some people say, I love Jesus because of his life and his example. And uh, ranging from personal experience with the Lord, uh, this, is, this is just a good thing. And we're just getting started. So, I want to tell you guys something. Joseph, uh, Joseph's running our visuals back there. Joseph, give me a picture of a brain on the screen. Thank you. All right, so we got a brain up here. I need to let you guys know something. Your brain is not telling you everything. That may sound a little bit uh, suspicious, but it's absolutely true. Your brain is constantly working. Your brain is taking in information at incredible rates. The stuff that we are able to give our attention to is not even half of what information your brain is processing. And because there's so much information happening at one time, if your brain let all of it come to the forefront of your attention, you would probably fall over. You would not be able to function. It would just not happen. So your brain is doing you a favor by saying, this is important, this is what you need to focus on now, and this is not as important. We'll just file this one away in the background. And let me prove it to you that this is happening right now. Everybody, take a moment and realize, or just, just think about what the chair that you're sitting on feels like. You can feel it, right? It's underneath your seat, right there between your body and your, your, your pants. You can feel it, right? But a minute ago, you were not even thinking about it. But your brain knew that that information was there, and it said, you know what? We're used to it now. We're comfortable. We're going to file that as not that important. Or how about this? Did you uh, register the fact that there are four, maybe two, fans blowing right now? Everybody listen. Do you hear them? This is to help the air circulate in here and keep things nice and healthy. Those fans have been going since before our worship service even started. And maybe you noticed when you came in, but you know what your brain said? Don't worry about it. That's fine. That's a sound that we can focus our attention on, but we're not going to at the moment. Some things we don't think about or focus on unless we make an intentional effort to give our attention to them. And I think that God knew this. Of course he knew this. He knows about the brain. He knows how we're wired. News that we, we tend to bring certain things to our attention and let other things kind of fall away from our attention. I think that that's one of the reasons it was so important for God to attach things that we needed to remember, the things he didn't want us to forget. He attached them to certain things like a meal or a festival or an annual observation where you, you don't work, but you focus on remembering something that's important. You focus on a piece of salvation history. The Israelites did this with many different festivals and Passover, like I said earlier, was one of these festivals. God said, I want you to remember the thing that I did for you. 
I want you to remember how you were slaves in Egypt and how you were completely powerless, but by my hand you were rescued and you were saved. That's what the Passover ceremony commemorates. And if you were participating in a Passover meal, there were a lot of things that had symbolic meaning. Each year, they would roast a lamb. They would sacrifice an unblemished lamb. And they would eat it. And they would uh, make a sacrifice with it. And it reminded them of what happened in Egypt. The tenth plague was that there was going to be the death of the firstborn in every single household. And God said, but not for my people. Because here's what you're going to do. You're going to dip the, the branch in the, the blood of the lamb that had been sacrificed, and you're going to paint your doorposts with blood. And that's going to be a sign that this house will not be harmed. The, uh, the angel of death was going to pass over those homes. And hey, is that why they call it Passover? That's why we call it Passover. So the lamb was symbolic. The blood of the lamb was there. The bread was something that was a big part of this festival. That's why in the scripture that we read, they called it the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because when the uh, Israelites were in Egypt, and God said, tonight is the night that you're going to get out. You're not even going to have a chance for your yeast to rise. You just grab your dough and go. It's not going to have yeast. It's not going to be puffy bread. It's going to be flat and unleavened bread. So remember the haste that God delivered you out of Egypt. And each year, I want you to do this. I want you to take all the yeast out of your house. I want you to make flat bread. I want you to eat it as a reminder of what God did for you. And then if you fast forward in the story too, you know that the people were hungry when they were in the wilderness. And what did God send them? Manna. The bread from heaven. God provided for them. This bread has so much meaning already at the Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples celebrated. And then there's the cup. We celebrate the cup of the blood that was shed. Remember the sacrificed lamb and the blood on the doorposts. But Jesus says something in the passage we read about the covenant. This is Exodus chapter 24, after the Ten Commandments were given and Moses was up on Mount Sinai, he comes down, he gives the law of the Lord to the people and the people in unison say, we will serve the Lord. We agree to this covenant. God says, I'm committing to you. Will you commit to me? And they say, yes, we will. And sacrifices were made and blood was sprinkled on the altar. So each year when we celebrate the, the Passover, we remember the, the cup, the blood has so much meaning for the Israelite people as well. But this is just the Jews so far. Now we're getting to Jesus and his disciples who were also Jewish, and he said, yeah, this is a special meal. Yes, it's symbolic, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it this new meaning. And it's going to be a way for you to remember me, what I've done, and what I'm about to do. Because yes, the bread reminds us of the story of leaving Egypt in haste. And yes, the bread reminds us of the manna in the wilderness. But Jesus says, remember what I told you? I am the bread of life. I am the one who is going to give my body as a sacrifice. So when the bread is broken, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember the bread of life. Remember the sacrifice that I am making for you. And the blood of the new covenant takes on a new meaning as well. Yes, the, the blood on the doorposts of the houses, and yes, the blood of the covenant from Exodus 24 at the base of Mount Sinai. But Jesus says, this is my blood shed for you. I want you to remember all the things from our past, but I want you to remember something from the future too, that I am going to the cross 
and I need you to remember me. This is important. I don't want you to forget this. Jesus tells them, don't let my life, my teachings, my love, and the sacrifice that I'm making for you be something that your busy, busy, busy brain filters out and says, yeah, 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 that's there, but it's not important. You don't need to focus on that. Jesus is saying, I'm going to help you get away that you will remember this. When you sit down, when you break bread, when you drink from the cup, remember my body, remember my blood that was shed for you. And they did. The early Christians did this. You can read in Acts chapter 2. They, they did this in homes. As you read throughout the, the book of Acts, they meet at the first day of the week, and they break bread, and they remember Jesus. And again, this was done in the context of a meal. And some people get to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and they see that there's this controversy, because when they're gathering for the meal, some people are showing up early, and they're drinking up all the wine, and they're getting all the good seats, and eating up all the good food. And then these other folks come back from work and say, hey, you guys didn't wait for us. And Paul says, that's not okay. You guys might be different social classes. You may have different responsibilities during the day, but you need to be one in Christ. You need to wait for one another. Sometimes people have interpreted 1 Corinthians 11 as saying like, and that's why we don't eat a full meal at communion anymore. But I don't think that's the focus of what Paul is saying there. I think it's more about unity, whether it's in the context of a meal, whether it's just the bread and the juice, the cracker and the little cup, However we do this, we're remembering what it means. We're remembering the life of Jesus. I'll tell you a quick story. I told you you'd do more talking than me, and I'm starting to push it a little bit here, but it's a good story. When I was in college, I went camping with a group of buddies of mine, and we were all Christians. We had a great time. Uh, but Sunday came around, and we said, yeah, we should worship around the campfire. Does anybody have uh, crackers and grape juice? <laughs> well, no, we didn't bring crackers and grape juice, uh, so how are we going to remember Jesus. And somebody said, well, we have this leftover donut from yesterday. It was like a stale, plain cake donut. We said, great. We put it on a paper plate and we passed it around. We broke it and we remembered Jesus. And we didn't have wine and we didn't have grape juice. And we said, what's the, what's the closest thing? Well, hey, I got a can of Dr. Pepper. So uh, we cracked open the Dr. Pepper and we were one cuppers that morning. We passed that thing around the campfire. We toasted Jesus. We remembered his, his body and his blood his death, his resurrection. We celebrate and we remember Jesus. And that's what Christians have done for centuries. And we continue to do that. That's one of the reasons that we do it every Sunday morning. And it's not always around tables. It's not always in the context of a full meal. But we always have the bread. We always have the cup. And we always remember Jesus. Because he called us to. Because it's something that we can't file away and say, no, that's not important. We say, this is important. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And I would even say, you can do this outside of the context of our church gathering. You can do this when it's not Sunday morning. You may have already known this. Uh, but think about this. We give thanks before we pray in our house. When I'm out at a restaurant, if someone's not uncomfortable with it, I say, you know, let's just give a quick thanks. Thank you, Lord, for this food. We see Jesus doing that. Try this sometime. When your family's having dinner, or maybe if you're having people that you know over for dinner, in the context of a meal, just set out some bread, set out some wine, or, or grape juice, or Dr. Pepper, if that's what you have, and remember Jesus as you begin that meal. This is something that we can continue on. We need to cement this in our brains so that we remember the love that Jesus showed for us and the love that we're called to have for him. 
So this morning, while we're around tables, let's use this opportunity to, I have a couple more questions that I want you guys to throw around at your tables. Um, Joseph, you can put the next question up there on the screen. This one is remembering Jesus from the Gospels, remembering stories we've heard about Jesus, remembering those times when people said, he did this and the folks that saw it were absolutely amazed. So the first question is going to be, what's, what's the, your favorite story about Jesus? You can say the name of the story, you can tell some of the story if you like, but just give everybody the opportunity to say, man, this is my favorite thing to remember from the life of Jesus. And then the next question is going to have to do with how Jesus' life collided with your life. And the question is going to be about how did you become a follower of Jesus? How did Jesus become an important part of your life? Uh, but first, we'll go to that first question, and I'll give you a few minutes. And then after, I don't know, five or seven minutes or so, I'll transition to the next question and give you guys some chance to talk about that. So at your tables now, what is your favorite story from the life of Jesus? Okay. Thank you guys for sharing. Uh, and I don't want to get, I don't have a whole lot more. I just want to transition to the next question. Talk about uh, how you became a follower of Jesus. And again, we'll do it in like five to seven minutes. Go around and share. Just talk about what were the circumstances that made you become a follower of Jesus. Or if you didn't get to the stories from the life of Jesus, you can continue with that. Uh, but just wanted to make sure we get to this next prompt. So go ahead. Keep sharing around your tables, remembering Jesus. All right, gang, go ahead and uh, just pause your conversations for a moment. I'll try to land the plane here and transition us into a time of, uh, of praying for the folks in our church. Again, it's, it's been really, really encouraging for me just around um, my table and hearing some of the things you guys were sharing. And uh, I hope that this was a valuable way to commune to do this in remembrance of Christ. And you know what you did this morning, which we do every week, but hopefully paid attention to it, is you told your brain what needs to be uh, at the forefront of your mind. Okay, you're, you're taking control and not letting your brain decide, nah, yeah, don't worry about how your seat feels. Don't worry about the sound of the fan. Uh, don't worry, like Jesus' sacrifice is there. Yeah, we know that. Jesus calls us to say, no, no, no. I want you to remember this. I want you to taste the bread and the drink. I want you to experience the truth of my love for you, the sacrifice that I'm willing to make for you, and the good news, the joyful celebration bowl of candy that is the resurrection of Christ. That is good news. So I'm glad we got to share this this morning.